Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. How are you all doing today? Good, good. That'll do. That, that's good enough for me. Um, today's guest, it's artist Paul McDonald. Some of you may not be aware of Paul's work. Some of you may be. If you follow me on the social medias, you will see uh, some incredible artwork um, that, that you can you can actually buy over on the website. And that stuff was all uh, drawn by today's guest, Paul. Um, Paul's somebody I've known for a, a, a long, long time. And uh, me and him have always locked horns and, and bitched and moaned at each other about music. And and I knew that today's conversation was going to be a cracker because he's very knowledgeable on his music and uh, and he's very good at articulating his reasons why uh, generally I was wrong and he was right. So uh, so this was a real joy to do. We recorded it at Paul's, Paul's flat, uh, which was a, a beautiful setting to do that in. We were surrounded by... By amazing bits of art on the wall and 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 on walls and walls and walls of of vinyl, so it was a perfect setting to record off the beaten track. So before we get on with the chat, um, a big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody over at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Seventy Six for producing this. Thanks to my name is Ad for doing the artwork. And if you guys want to hear more. Uh, content from Off The Beaten Track Podcast, aside from having a look in the back catalogue of stuff on ACAST, Spotify and iTunes, we have a Patreon page uh, where you get a bonus episode each week, not for the public, just for the Patreon. So for, I think it's as little as a dollar, um, whatever that is, 75p, um, you get a bundle more content and it also helps support um, this podcast. And so, yeah, any anything that you can do over there is much, much appreciated. Right, that's me, uh, me little charity play out of the way. And let's get back to the episode. Please enjoy Off the Beat and Track podcast with Mr. Paul McDonald. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. 
and they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, we are recording. It's a Friday evening. I'm uh, on my way to to go and play some records in my club this evening and I've uh, I've stopped off on the way um, to catch up with an old friend and I'm sitting uh, in a beautiful flat at the moment and to my left looking at hundreds and hundreds of albums uh, on vinyl and, uh, and, and, and some incredible artwork on the walls which comes as no surprise um, because this evening's guest is artist Paul McDonald. Good evening, sir. <laughs> How you doing? You all right? I'm very well, thank you. Good, good, good. So, so Paul and I are old friends. Um, we worked together for many years. Less of the old. <laughs> and Paul's, um, Paul's done. He's responsible for the off the beaten track artwork that um, that, uh, that that was posted and is and is available to buy. It's the um, the the. How would you describe it? Ink drawing. Yeah, illustration, illustration. Um, Pen and ink, line drawing, uh-huh. illustration. Yeah, goes by many names. And it's and it's impressive, and and the and the love that your artworks um, got. We, we were speaking um, before we started recording, and you were saying that um, it's something that throughout your your life you sort of dropped in and out of of, of, of drawing. Yeah, totally. Um, when I get together with people my age, and they talk about their favourite Christmas presents, and it'll be Action Man, it'll be. Um, a chopper bike or you know whatever with me i got i got some great presents as a kid but do you know what the thing i enjoyed most about christmas day was we used to always get a coloring book a drawing book and a pack of felt tips and after that christmas dinner was done the james bond film was on i was upstairs lying on bedroom floor drawing um and i i honestly think about it all the time right where did i start drawing we've got artists in the family but for me it was the christmas day yeah drawing sitting there with the felt tips yeah um yeah well we've known each other maybe 15 years 
Yeah, sounds about right. And um, and I think our, our paths first crossed when we were both in bands and we was both doing the local sort of gig scene and stuff like that. Yeah, I was taking myself too seriously. You wasn't taking yourself seriously <laughs> enough. So, um, yeah, never the swain shall meet. So, um, yeah, yeah, we were going to be the next big thing and I felt like you were a band who just weren't taking it serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we was very serious about being not very serious, You had I a guess. song that... That was called I Fuck Sheep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, a an interesting take on the the the, the Radiohead classic. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's the sort of thing that that I, I remember at the time thinking, yeah, we should get Radiohead to, to to hear it. I wonder what they'd think. And and looking back now, can you imagine Tom York's face uh, if if he heard. The abomination that, uh, that, that that what we was doing. Perhaps there was a possibility he did hear it, and that was why he went on to record Kid A, knowing that you'd never be able to replicate it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but moving through the years, we've 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 worked together for for many years, and and and, and sat next to each other in an yep. office. Um, Much to everyone else's disappointment. Absolutely, every day. absolutely, because the 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 the, the, the thing that was an, an ongoing thing was was generally. <laughs> Five days a week, we would just argue about music. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, and because we're both very, very passionate about music, which we, we'll find out um, all about your passions for art and for music as this podcast unfolds. But um, I don't think a day went past when uh, I'd come in with something. It, it was almost like High Fidelity. Someone would come in with a new mixtape, and it was your job when I brought anything to the table to tell me that I was wrong. And vice yeah. versa. Yeah, it, yeah, it was a it was a knee jerk reaction that was usually proved to be right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you had some pretty flimsy taste. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll bring the horrors up later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, um, Paul. The first track um, that I ask guess is um, the song with the greatest ever intro. What have you gone for? Yeah. So with all of these, with all of these choices, really, it's a for, for people like us who consume so much music, and, you know, I'm 48 now, 49 this year, I've consumed so much music that when you're tasked with picking a favourite song or a favourite intro or the best ever, it's a bit like saying, in 48 years, what has been your favourite dinner? Yeah. Because there's so many. Um, when you talk about intro, I've never been one of the those kind of music fans who has a favourite guitar solo or yeah. a favourite intro or a favourite chorus because there's so many that I, I even now, even now, um, I wouldn't be able to tell you what my favourite ever album was, you know, my Desert Island disc because it changes by the hour. Yeah. Uh, depends what mood I'm in. Um, so what I've gone with all of these really is the ones that really came to mind first. Mm-hmm. Um, and West End Girls by the Pet Shop Boys. Um, just love the intro straight away. First time you hear it, it comes in the rainy London streets, I'm assuming, the streets of taxi breaks, the crowds in the street. Straight away, you're drawn into the city, the yeah. metropolis. Um, it builds in, kicks in, and then literally the opening line. Sometimes you're better off dead. There's a gun in your hand and it's pointing at your head. You think you're mad, too unstable, kicking in chairs and knocking down tables. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, you got me. I'm, yeah, I want to hear more. And what 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 you what you didn't even mention is is, is when that baseline drops. Yeah, totally. Dun 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 dun. Yep. It's just incredible baseline. Yeah, it is. And it is. 
and I, and I think was that the was that the first single or, or well, I, I I looked into this a little bit, and they had released West End Girls, I think, yeah. the year before, and it That's was a slightly right. slower version, slightly yeah. less kick to it, um, and it didn't do anything. Yeah. And they went back in and recalled it. I don't know if it was with Shep Pettibone. Yeah. I'm not too sure if they were with him that early on. Um, but yes, to my understanding, that is their first single, yeah. It's got a very... As much as it's called West End Girls, it's got a very New York feel to it as well. I think, like yeah. the, the the you know what was going on out there in electronic music. I think that's that's definitely something. I think was Love Comes Quickly before that. I, I no, Love Comes Quickly. I'm pretty sure that was the second single. Right. There'll be Pet Shop Boys fans listening yeah. listen there, just going, "Oh mate, <laughs> you're so off piste with where your discography is," but. I'm pretty sure it was West End Girls, I think. Then it was Love Comes Quickly. Then I think it was Opportunities or Rent. It would have, no, Rent was uh, on Actually. That was a few right, albums. Okay. Like, it, it would have been, oh, that first time I think was uh, Suburbia. Suburbia, uh, and, yeah. And uh, Opportunities and oh God, Love Comes Quickly. I mean, f- fucking great records, all of them. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I kind of lost interest in the Pet Shop Boys around It's a Sin. Yeah. Um there was so much going on. Yeah. Um, they didn't really hold my attention. But yeah, I've got the singles that I stick in the car from time to time. And it's great. Yeah. But it's the early stuff that really gets me. Yeah. Um, Neil Tennant obviously was uh, a journalist at Smash Hits. And you can tell that he had spent, because he'd come into this business quite late in life. Yeah. He'd spent a lifetime studying the music that he loved. Yeah. And you could tell West End Girls, it's like, right, we might not ever get another chance at this. Yeah. It's just a proper statement of intent, you know? And I, and I think as speaking to an artist, the the branding of the Pet Shop Boys for the whole career, whether what they were wearing, I mean, I remember seeing a photo shoot of them both in a in a rowing boat with like massive pointed sort of like orange hats yeah. on. Like, yeah. and, and, and just, I don't know who's the creative director for the Pet Shop Boys, but how much of it comes from themselves. I always feel like Chris Lowe has probably got quite a say in it because yeah. he comes across as the guy who studied the Italian youth yeah. chic and, you know. But do you know what? I, I, it's, it's weird that we're sitting here on a Friday night and the telly's not on um, because they're showing reruns at Top of the Pops at the moment. It's one of my favourite things to watch. Uh, and it's 1987 at the moment. Right, and okay. so Pet Shop Boys are, are, are very much happening at this point. So where would they have been in 1987? That would have been probably... Oh... Uh, introspective was introspective would it would have been right. might even have been actually maybe just post actually see that possibly lost me by then um, I'd discovered the House Martins and the yeah. Smiths and the Redskins by yeah. then and I'd become a very serious young socialist yeah. so um, you know I'd turned my back on pop by that point yeah but, uh, but, but but let's have you know let's it's incredible pop music, the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, without and, a doubt. And there was stuff that come later, things like Left to My Own Devices, I thought was a fantastic thing. I thought Being Boring was, I think the lyrics to Being, being Boring is a really great. It's almost, uh, it is cinematic. Yeah. Uh, with the video as well. Yeah. It pretty much encapsulate, encapsulates um, yeah. what was happening to his, yeah. his, his generation, yeah. which was AIDS and which was, you know, yep. you get to a certain age in life where people start disappearing from the photographs. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. D- Neil Tennant, the Pet Shop Boys do melancholy really well. Yeah. Um, Underrated lyricist as well. Massively, massively. But what would you expect from a journalist? Yeah. They've got a full understanding of pop. He spent his entire life studying it and writing about it. Yeah. 
Um, and obviously the journalism comes out in his lyric writing. Yeah. You know, I would say he is a pop Morrissey. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. And let, let, let's give a nod to, I mean, a, 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 a very unique singing style. Yeah. Um, but, you know, let's let's have a little nod to uh, getting away with it by electronic. Yeah, totally, totally. Electronic, another band that when, when you know, obviously they, I expected more from Mar, yeah. Sumner, Neil Tennant. The singles were, I mean, uh, Forbidden City is one yeah. of my top 10 singles. Um, but album-wise, and yeah. I, although we're, we're talking a lot about songs tonight, I I am an album guy. Yeah. Um, I still listen to an album, side one, track one, yeah. all the way through. Um, I don't stream music too much. I don't like to dip in and out, although I've always loved compilation tapes. Yeah. So maybe that's a contradiction. But um, electronic, the albums were always disappointment because yeah. you've got two relatively – they could have done with a good lyricist yeah. writing their stuff. Yeah. I do think Getting Away With It is one of the greatest pop records ever made, though. Another great intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing. Just touching on the Italio disco yep. sort of vibe. Yeah, yep. completely. Okay, track two, Paul. So that is the first I song. I actually had some honourable mentions there. Oh, go the on, intros. get some in, get some in. Um, and it's funny because a lot of stuff is around about the late 70s, early 80s, but uh, XDC, Making Plans for Nigel. What a great record. Couldn't sound more of its time. Yeah. Uh, um, Absolutely, absolutely great intro. The jam start, um, that nearly was my choice. Um, but obviously, it borrows so heavily from Taxman Tax by Man. the Beatles. But start was a big a big single for me. Um, Blue Oyster Cold, Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's probably in the top five intros ever, if I was ever going to make a definitive list. Uh, Sign of the Times, Prince. Oh, that's a great shout. As soon man. as that, the, from the opening note, yeah. You know it's Sign of the Times. Uh, once again, you know, the lyrics from that song sum up an entire kind of what was going on at the time, still sound relevant now, and just flow all the way through. That, that, so was, perfectly. On, that was on the top of the pops I watched last week from 1987. And, and obviously the lyrics are, are right up there on the screen. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he was making a big statement. and, and uh, uh, Probably my, my, the, the, the pinnacle of his career as far as I'm concerned at that point. I, I, as much as I adore Prince, I think... That was the era that, that you know, he, he I thought he peaked. Yeah, totally, uh, um, totally. The, obviously, the Sign of Times album of The Cross, which yeah. is another absolutely monumental song. Completely, completely. Track two, mate. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Okay. Um, I've gone for Percy Faith and his orchestra, theme from A Summer Place. I don't know this. Um, check it out. Once again, within the first 15 seconds, you'll go, yeah, of course I know it. It's been used in a lot of films. Um, it's very cinematic, as it would be. It was originally recorded for a film. Um, it is a cover. I, I'm not too sure who recorded the original version. But it's that kind of 50s sort of orchestrated, instrumental, easy listening type song that, that for me the first time I heard it it made me think of what the old days must have been like where there wasn't there wasn't mass unemployment there wasn't kind of I don't know I heard it as a kid I was probably about five or six and it's only a short piece of music but it just even then as a young kid I could tell it it 
it was reminiscent of days gone by where life was a lot simpler. Um, it's just a beautiful piece of music. Um, I grew up in a house where... Where, where Uh I grew up in Basildon. Um, music was a big part growing up. And I know, a lot of, I know a lot of people who didn't grow up with music. But my dad was very much into singer-songwriters. Mm -hmm. But he also had... Um, also still has... Um, a soft spot for easy listening. Yeah. Instrumental easy listening. Akabilk. Roger mm -hmm. Whittaker. But at the same time, he'd be playing Johnny Cash live at San Quentin. Yeah. Or, you know, Cat Stevens' greatest hits, Bread. Uh, whereas my mum was a big pop fan. So she carried a radio around everywhere. Transistor radio. When she was carrying me, she said, I used to carry the radio from room to room. It was always on. And she said, I'm sure that's where your love of music comes from. Yeah. Um, but my mum was always into a pop. She still is. Um... You know, it was only a few years ago. I said, what do you want me to get you for Christmas this year? Get me um, Erasure's Greatest Hits. She still loves her pop music. Yeah. And every week she would, every weekend, every Saturday, she would let me and my sister pick a single each when we went shopping. <laughs> and she'd get one as well. I mean, my mum bought Ghost Town by the specials, which allowed me to free up my pocket money to buy... I. I'm pretty sure it was Ant Music by Adam and the Ants. Nice. So, uh, my sister was in it shaking Stevens. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but when it comes to emotional music, there's so much of it out there. But, so, so hearing that, that, and making you think of, even at that young age, that maybe there was times that were simpler. Um, I think I was a melancholy kid, Stuart. Yeah. I, 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 so, so I, what, I, yeah. What, what was the emotion? What, what, what emotion was it giving you? However absurd it probably sounds, nostalgia. Yeah. Um, I probably heard it a lot. It, 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 I can't vouch for it, but it, it comes... There was still a lot of easy listening played on the radio during the day, yeah. even even in the mid-70s where there was kind of glam and, yeah. you know, on the cusp of really kind of um, um, punk and stuff, really. But you would still get Acker Bilk would pop yeah. up with Adam Fluff Freeman on a Sunday mm -hmm. or, or Peter Murray, you know. Yeah. So it, maybe it was just kind of subliminally seeping in, but you'd hear like Susie Quattro or the Osmonds' Wild Horses, um, sorry, Crazy Horses. Yeah. Um, but then they would drop an Akabilk tune in yeah. or uh, a Mantovani, you know. And, and Nothing wrong with Stranger on the Show, mate. No, well, that, that was kind of an honourable mention, really. Another song, instrumentals, the strings, yeah. the, the clarinet in Akabilk's case. Oboe. The oboe. It's just got that melancholy kind of summer from days gone by sort yeah. of vibe to it, which I love nostalgia for a time that never was, you yeah. know, the village green and the, yeah. you know. Because I guess, was there a simpler time in Basildon? It was still a new, was it still a new city? I was probably unaware town, of that sorry. age. Yeah, I was yeah. probably unaware of that. Well, yeah, there was. I mean, I can remember summers. Um, I spent a lot of time being grounded when I was a kid. Um <laughs> For whatever reason, my my mum and dad were big on grounding you. Yeah. Um, I spent many a summer's evening while the, everyone else was playing outside, staring out my bedroom window. Do you know what? I was just waiting for the Smiths to come along. Yeah. But yeah, I remember the the, the summers. The summers seemed longer, and you know, you used to get hot air balloons oh, just silently going over the rooftops on a Wednesday evening after school. Yeah, things were simpler. Yeah. yeah. They were. They were definitely simpler. Amazing. A melancholy kid just waiting for the Smiths was, to happen. I was. Do you know what? I, I, I had a great childhood um, and I've had a great adulthood. Yeah. Um, but I love a bit of melancholy, you know, and oh, I always all, did. 
don't we all? And we will come to the fact that, yes, I was a 12-year-old who listened to John Peel. Um, <laughs> that you kind of write off every single podcast I listen to. I do, I do. I, when people talk about their first records and that, and I, it, it's, it's something that I've probably mentioned many times to the fact, well, you've obviously picked up on it. Yes. Because uh, uh, you're describing that, me. Yeah. All right. All right. We, we, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> so let, let's let's talk about school, uh, Paul. So I, I want to know for track three, the, the song that reminds uh, you of school, and, and and looking at your choice, this is this is secondary school, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think primary school. It was all a bit of a blur. You listen to what your mum and dad yeah, are playing. So, um, yeah, secondary school. Do you know what? I had, you can look at that record collection now, and it's full of kind of you know I I I, I very much fell into the indie the indie thing as a, as a, as a teenager you know but secondary I can listen to certain records by the House Martins or the Smiths or you know and I know they come up a lot but they were important to me the Jam you know the Style Council these were really important bands to me but when you have that moment when something comes on and it takes you straight back to those days, the unrequired love, the school disco where everyone else gets a slow dance, you don't, which is a story of my life, as anyone who knows me would tell you. Um, I had always had these, in fact, there'd always be an infatuation running in the background in my life of the unattainable yeah. girl. She was usually a bookworm, a, 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 you know, a bit swatty, yeah. and she'd understand me and my melancholy of childhood. Course, of course. Um, but it's always pop that takes me right back um and reminds me of those days um and it's 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 80s music Mm -hmm. uh you know which which means that whenever i visit big papa jay or antonia i'm constantly having this kind of regression back to my um, my school days because they only play music from 1980 to 1989 that's correct um but yeah it's swing out sister uh breakout yeah um I don't know if it had a lot to do with it. At that point, I had an infatua- infatuation with um, a girl in my year called Lynn Turner, mm-hmm. who looked a bit like Corrine Drury from Swing Out yep. Sister. All of a sudden, there was someone who looked like Lynn Turner on top of the pops. But I just loved the, I loved the song then. I love yeah. it now. It's just another brilliant pop moment. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of almost a call to action. It's like, you know, which there were a lot of songs in the 80s kind of saying, you know, break the chain, set yeah. yourself yeah. free, you know. Um, but I just love it. I just love it as a pure pop moment. Um, I'm not looking for anything deeper in pop music. When I hear it now, it takes me straight back. But there's so many other songs. They're all songs that my that people probably wouldn't expect me to say. Climby Fisher. Um, love, love changes. Love changes everything. Yeah. Another big one for me would be Owen Paul. My favourite <laughs> waste of time. Yeah. They're songs that take you straight back. Yeah. You know. Um, wham. Possibly anything that they recorded yeah. will take me straight back to bunking school, going around yeah. Lorraine Corf's house, having a couple of beers that you know I probably shouldn't have had when yeah. I should have been in a maths lesson. Yeah. Um, there would have been Wham playing. We bunk school a lot, um, and I don't know whether it's coincidental, but it was usually around a girl's house. It usually be we'd go around a. Uh, someone's house for lunch, school lunch. Their parents would be out of work. You'd watch Neighbours. You'd watch Going for Gold. And then you'd make a group decision. Are we going to go back to school this afternoon? Nine times out of ten, the answer was no. Some would go back, the goody-goodies. And we would spend the afternoon normally drinking homebrew, um, listening to whatever records were lying about in the house, which would normally be 80s pop. Yeah. Unless it was a divorced mother, and then it'd probably be Carly Simon, Elkie Brooks. <laughs> um, 
you know, no you more to fall. That'd just be that sat on a record player going round over. Nineteen eighty-seven. That was me. <laughs> As was Breakout. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I think nineteen eighty. Breakout and 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 that that year. Um, going going back to to, to to watching recent episodes of Top of the Pops. I think 1987 was quite a strange year for music. It feels like there was a bit of a void. Like it feels like um, yeah. there was so much stuff. Sort of, I guess the Smiths were coming to a close, and and it just felt like so. Swing Out Sis was 1987. Yeah. Wow. So that seems really late to me. In my head, that would have been 80. I imagine myself being about 15. But yeah. it was really, I was kind of edging towards 17. Yeah. And, wow. and and I think like um I guess it was I suppose hip hop was just about I was public enemy doing stuff then, maybe about to happen. And and it just feels like nineteen eighty seven was that lost year where I think all that was really breaking through was hop, like pop music. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. it was relentless. I mean yeah. the new release the new releases. I'll tell you what was really pivotal for me around that time was and I don't know if this was the same for everyone, but if you was a rediffusion customer with the TV, yeah. you used to have the box on the wall where you kind of changed the channel on the wall. And if you were a rediffusion customer, you could get Sky TV. This is way before the, the, the cable and yeah. everything we, we know it as now. There was, I think it was Sky Music, it might have been, and Sky One. And you had Pat Sharp had a video show on there. And so people could phone in and ask for records and you'd see videos. So we wouldn't really get an MTV. You'd go to Foot Locker and you'd go and stare at MTV yeah. for, a, for an hour before someone chucked you out of the shop. But you didn't really have it in your homes then. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it was like a European, you get a lot of European stuff on there, like um, Sabrina, Boys, yeah. Boys, Boys. Um, but you'd have stuff like Living in a Box, Curious Killed the Cat, um, Johnny Hates Jazz. Yeah. Owen, Paul, there'd be about 25 videos that just kind of looped and yeah. people are phoning and asked for them. So that's how it kind of soundtracked my life. Because you'd go in someone's house and if they had really few, they'd have Sky on it. Yeah. One of them songs would be playing on there yeah. all the time. And there's like a kind of, a, the, the production on pretty much all of them bands that you've mentioned, it's like, it's just, the production on all of them records hasn't aged well. No, no, um, it hasn't. Which, again, you know, just, screams at you the bent you know that that just how brilliant bands like the smiths were that that had sort of stepped aside from that and and gone listen no, this is what we want to sound like. yeah which is ironic because well you know morrissey and mar were steeped in pop but just yeah. from a, a different time yeah um so yeah once again pop runs through even you know you could say about the smiths pick old and old pop group but they were so heavily in, yeah. influenced by it. literally the most banal pop in some respects yeah. with, with Morrissey. Uh, well, not banal, that's the wrong word, but really simple kind of sugary stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you say that about the production of the mate's records, and I do agree with you, and I think that's literally because they were banging them out left, right and centre. But the songwriting quality is still there because yeah. you can hear Climbing Fisher or Johnny Hates Jazz yeah. or Swing Out Sister now, and it's still got them hooks, and you know every word, whereas now a pop record... They're very transient, and okay. it's like you, it's, they won't stick in your memory in twenty years' time, like those did. Or maybe I don't know if uh, the generation now are, are going to have their um, climbing fishers and yeah. Jimmy H jazz like we did. I think it's it's a different. 
I tell you, I tell you what record I heard the other day. I heard "The Harder I Try" by Brother Beyond. Mm. Right? Have you heard that recently? I haven't heard it recently, but it's very Motown, isn't it? It would be the greatest Northern Soul record if if someone remade that. It, but it, was Waterman it, behind that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's like right. a Northern Soul DJ. Yeah, of living course. Living out his fantasy with a uh, Bros wannabes. Yeah, exactly. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can... Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. All right. Um, so let's talk about school. Apart from bunking off school, did you enjoy it? Uh, I enjoyed English. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed art. Was that encouraged? Uh, art was, mm-hmm. English was. Um, I grew up in a house where the telly wasn't on a lot. Um, not for any other reason then. My family always had their head in books. Yeah. We had music on and we loved books. Um, that, that might sound boring to some people, but my dad was very much like, don't put the telly on for the sake of putting it on. Yeah, nothing um, wrong with that, mate. No, and it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of something that I've carried on in life, really. But... Um, so yeah, I'd already read quite a lot. I was a, you know, I was in a library and I'd kind of read Alan Silito and George Orwell and some of the people that you'd study in school, just because I'd, like I did with records, really, I went in a library, looked at the covers and thought, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah. You know, so I'd read Loneliness, Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner and I'd, I remember reading Brendan Behan's Ballstall Boy and I was about 14 and my English teacher was like, I can't believe it. I read 1984 and we was doing it for our exam and she, I said to her, I've already read this. 
And she said, well, you in that case, go to the library and just pick a book. And while we're doing 1984, you just read your book. So I don't know whether the Smiths had kind of infiltrated my mind by then anyway. I suppose it would have been 1986-ish, so they probably must have. Mm. So I just went for the complete works of Oscar Wilde. Cool. What a pretentious wanker. <laughs> Uh, and I wondered why I, why this boy walked home alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brilliant. But I, I love the plays, but the poems were a bit much for me. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, uh, score at that point, like you, you say, you walked home alone. Um, no, I didn't. I, I, I've always been lucky. I've always been surrounded by brilliant people. Never what, bullied. Like-minded. So you said you was bullied, sorry. No, never bullied. Right, No, okay. no, no, never bullied people, yep. never was bullied. Um, there wasn't a big mentality for that in the school I went yeah. to. The teachers were the bullies. The pupils were, were a unified front because the teachers were such arseholes most of the time. So was there, was there kindred spirits in your mates that were, were you know, that had discovered the music that you was enjoying and, and you know, were, were they as well read as you? And Well, I had a friend called Lee Dutton. Well, I have a friend called Lee Dutton. Um, and he was very much into hip-hop, electro, graffiti art. Uh, and ironically, I tried to do graffiti art on paper because everyone used to just sit around drawing it, copying stuff out of Subway art. Of course. Um, but I was never that great here, which is ironic considering I, I kind of do a lot of art now that, yeah. that, that lends itself to that kind of style. But Lee was kind of a bit of an unattainable friend at the time because he was too cool for school. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know how we ended up hanging out, but we we very quickly got into the House Martins, the Redskins, Billy Bragg. Just going off piece quickly, I I got into Billy Bragg because I got some record vouchers for Christmas and I went into war with some Boxing Day because I needed to spend them straight away. And back to basics, I think it was pay no more than four ninety nine. That's right. So I realised I to, could to explain to the listeners. Then that that was a sticker that, or it might even have been on the artwork. It was Billy actually Bragg. on the artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and pay I'm no familiar with that to an extent because Crass. Yeah. Um, when I was eleven, I was buying Crass records Fuck because sake, I know I, I knew it was going to come up, but. <laughs> This is the deal, right? My mum and dad used to go shopping on a Friday night. There was a Kelly's Radio record shop next to Saver Centre. Yeah. They would leave me in the record shop. Okay, so even at that age, I was obsessed with flicking through the, the, the racks. Yeah. Um, with me pocket money, and they'd come and get me from Kelly's Radio after they'd done their shopping. Has he been all right? Yeah, no trouble at all. And I'd have me pocket money. And the Crash Records were all pay no more than 49p. And yeah. They were in these big sleeves that opened out of all these typewritten lyrics and yeah. these big statements and the anarchy sign that I was familiar with from the pistols and stuff. And it wasn't a case of, I want to hear this record. It was like, I can buy three of these in my pocket money. I used to get yeah. £1.50 pocket money at that yeah. time. So it was just a kind of case of, I, I, I was dying to build a record collection even then. And it was the easiest way to do it. These yeah. records were foot pay no more than 49. They were virtually unlistenable. I didn't know what they was on about when they were yeah. talking about the IRA and anarchy and yeah. communal living. Um, but the artwork struck a chord. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that style of artwork that they incorporate, the collage stuff, comes out of my drawing now, without a doubt. Um, where was I going? So yeah, I was listening to Crass when I was eleven by default, really. That they yeah. made cheap records, and Billy Bragg was the same. Yeah. But I had ten pound record token. I bought Back to Basics by Billy Bragg four ninety nine, and there was this other band that I'd heard a little bit about. They seemed a bit controversial because they've been talking about the Moor Murders. My mum comes from Manchester or Oldham, so I was kind of familiar with the Moor Murders because it was happening where my yeah. mum was growing up. Uh, the Smiths. Yeah. Going back to them again. Hat full of hollow, four ninety nine. 
Nice. So I came out of there with Back to the Basics, Billy Bragg, and Hatful of Hollow, band I hadn't really, didn't really understand at the time. Um, so yeah, at school, I, I finally started hanging out with Lee Dunn, who was into graffiti art and hip-hop and electro and breakdancing. I wasn't. I was more likely to be the one holding the uh, ghetto blaster. Yeah. I'm not going to be spinning around online. I. Um, and he grew out of all that. And we got into the Smiths together and we got into the Redskins, you know, kind of left left wing. Well, it was it was music. the Red Wedge stuff then, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I'd already come up from the jam into the Style Council, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, I suppose people were becoming more politically minded again. So, so explain <clears> the, the Red Wedge thing a little bit for, for people that aren't aware of it, because Style Council was involved in that, Bronski B and, and Billy Bragg. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think Bragg and the Communards were really heavily yeah. involved, Richard Cole. Um, it was just kind of, you know, we'd had the minor strike, we'd had the kind of years of Thatcher, um, and there was these bands who were saying, giving that support behind Labour, you know, it was time yeah. for a change. Uh, and I think, and I've read Richard Cole's biography, and I've obviously, Paul Weller's interviewed about it many times since, and they do look back and kind of admit there was rose-tinted glasses and yeah. not all was right, and on the tour they kind of felt like they'd possibly dropped a bollock a little bit sure but it was good it, even if it if it failed in our eyes to an extent i think what it did do is it made people more aware of artists against apartheid was another thing uh -huh. you know in the 80s there was a lot of causes to get behind you know and lee my friend was very politically minded as well so we'd go on marches you know and we were sometimes marching for, for things we didn't fully understand yeah but it did instill that kind of having some ownership about politics and, yeah. you know, it's not boring and stuffy. It, it fundamentally changes the things that are wrong in the world. Sure. Um, yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting. But so school, going back to school, because otherwise this will just end up being a party political broadcast. <laughs> um, through those left-wing bands, obviously we did school assemblies and me and Lee were, were, were quite united by then. And we were kind of known as the political ones. You know, we had our Dr. Martin shoes and our House Martin's cardigans and our, you know, had a particular look. And I remember making our class um, do our school assembly on blood sports. Really? Yeah, because the Style Council had just brought out Walls Come Tumbling Down. On the B side of that, there was a song called Blood Sports, which was, I was a vegetarian at that point, obviously, because I was into Smith, so you don't eat meat and listen yeah. to the Smiths. But I remember saying, right, we are going to do our assembly on blood sports. And everyone else, I think it was about 32, 32 yeah. of us in the class, was like, no, we're not. We're not. Yeah. And a couple of girls were like, no, we want to do dancing and stuff. And it's yeah. like, you can do dancing, but it's going to be about blood sports and fox hunting and how wrong it is. Um, I bet people were really ready for that in Basildon. It killed that, that, that <laughs> assembly. Um, about five minutes in, I knew that I'd killed. I'd lost the crowds. Yeah, I'd lost the crowds. Um yeah, uh, uh, do you know what we were? We were very serious young men at that point, um, but we were fondly. I know now that I see people now from God knows you know, all those years ago, and they always say, "God, you were so into your politics then." And I didn't know my ass and my elbow. I just had a few Style Council records. <laughs> I bought Socialist Worker because I'd gone on a march and thought I better do. Yeah, uh, and I didn't eat meat because Morrissey said it was bad. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. But yeah. all right, school so was cool. All right, well, let's, let's, let's see um, where you went after that. Because for track five, um, I asked the song that soundtracked your, your clubbing years. Yes. Uh, yeah, clubbing's weird for me because, as you'll know, I kind of 
Um, had my clubbing experience with Pink Toothbrush. That was, that was to me, we, we'll talk about dance clubbing in a minute. Okay. Pink Toothbrush is, is the club that I, I work at that, that he's, he's the kind of, it's, it's for, I, I imagine listeners of this podcast have heard me talk about this a lot, but um, for anyone that hasn't, um, that doesn't know what Pink Toothbrush is, it's an alternative nightclub in a, in a small town in Essex that's been going for 30 plus years. Yeah, totally. And it was, it was like church for us. Um, I've always been confident, always had a big crowd of friends. Um, but as you referred to in the last, the, the last record, you know, you by by your later teens, you start working out who's coming with you on the journey. You yeah. know, now you're not dictated by what time you've got to be home and mm-hmm. school and you know, you start whittling out the ones who you don't have stuff in common with because it's it's wasted energy. And you know, so by that point, we'd you know, indie had become a thing, you know, and people were getting into like kind of um, alternative music. Although in the early days, when I started going to the brush, I snuck in, I think as probably a 15, 16 year old. And it was a Friday night and it was kind of like a rockabilly night. It was yeah. all, it was like psychabilly. Yeah. Um, and psychabilly, again, to listeners that aren't aware of, of, of what that is, it's like a hybrid of sort of punk and, punk and, and rockabilly. rockabilly and yeah, the Meteors. Like, yeah, King uh, Kurt and Cecil drives a combine harvest, I remember yeah. playing it. And there was all people wrecking, which, yeah. you know, for people who aren't aware, is kind of a bit like the mosh pit is now. Yeah. You know, you... you, you, you you lightheartedly bash people around on the dance yeah. floor and there was a lot of that going on. So for a 15, 16 year old, I'm surrounded by these people who were probably only a couple of years older than me, but they, they seem like 10 years older. They had tattoos yeah. and they had girlfriends and they were into a, they was into a culture. They were rockabillies, you know, and they were drinking and we felt like we were breaking in, yeah. breaking into heaven. You know, yeah. it was like, Wow, there's this whole thing going on. Because growing up in Basildon, it was just full of shitty pubs, full of geezers who wanted to beat you up. Yeah. Um, it really was, you know. It, it, was, it wasn't It was a great place. There was no outlets of people who wanted to talk about music and art and books and kind of stuff like that. You had to be a geezer. Otherwise, yeah. you were going to be deemed a Nancy, a loser, yeah. or a, you know. I'd already started going to college by then, so I'd met gay people. I'd met I'd met people who were different to school, you know, yeah. and thought these people. Are, I, I'd had my eyes opened, yeah, and I kind of dragged a lot of my basil mates who were in the same sort of thing along for the ride with me. And college opened up a lot of a lot of doors, and the pink toothbrush did. You know, it was full of people like us, yeah, um, and. It, it's funny because I think back about the the, the brush now and. I went there to be educated by the DJs. Yeah. So I didn't go there to kind of go, can you play, can you play this, can you play that? There was people like Paul, Paul, some Tunkin. Tunkin, yeah. Um, and yourself, you were there as well, yeah. I believe, at that point. Um, but you went now and you would ask what that record was they were playing, mm-hmm. not can you play this record that I want yeah. to hear. You know, and I heard probably the doors properly for the first time. Yeah. Peace Frog was a massive tune at the, the Toothbrush. Mm-hmm. Um, way before the Doors revival and the film with sure. Val Kilmer and all that. Um, but you'd hear the Stooges, you'd hear, you know, there was a real freedom then. It was like, right, we are going to educate you tonight. Come on in. You're going to hear jazz. You're going to hear Northern Soul. You're going to hear punk. You're going to hear rockabilly. You're going to hear Motown. Um, and you're going to digest it all and then go home and track those records down. It wasn't the internet then. Yeah. You know, you had to make a mental note and then kind of go, right, where am I going to get a record from? Uh-huh. What was it, Iggy Watt and the Stooges? Was yeah. that the right? 
it wasn't nothing was accessible then really you had to really dig it out so you needed to have someone on the inside in a record shop as well so you, you had your DJ who was kind of playing this stuff to you and then your man at the record shop or your woman at the record shop who would kind of go yeah so I don't think you're stupid for asking this is the album you want yeah yeah it's called Morrison Hotel get your, get your neck around that and I'll see you next week for some Tom Waits um, <laughs> but it was there was a real yeah. There wasn't there wasn't music snobbery. Well, there might have been sometimes. Yeah. I'm sure Paul sometimes felt like he was the uh, the high priest of the pink toothbrush, sure, but sure. he kind of was. We were yeah. dancing to his tune, and he yeah. knew what to play. Um, and that was all the clubbing I needed for a long time. I used to go Fridays, which was more kind of heavy mm-hmm. as it as it progressed. Yeah, you would get more stuff like the Colt and things like that. Yeah, on, on, yeah. On we used to call it Metal Night, but yeah. the, my Basilot, we'd call it Metal. Are we going Metal Night? Are we going to yeah. go? Well, at that night? at that point, things like Faith No More were exploding, Jane's yeah. Addiction, and and, yeah. and Zodiac Mind Warp, and all sorts of things that I, I guess you know that was 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 heavier than than than, than the yeah, Smiths, right? Yeah, and they were the soundtrack. If you didn't hear. Zadek Mindwarp, or you didn't hear the cult, She Sells Sanctuary. Sank was wrong. Yeah. DJ must have left it on his turntable yeah. at home because you expected to hear it. And it yeah. wasn't like, oh, they play the same stuff every week. You wanted to hear those songs every week, you know? Yeah, it was the soundtrack of the place, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so what track have you actually gone for? It's Freak Scene by Dinosaur Jr. Cool. Um, I'll tell you what, if you've not heard that, listeners, oh, what go, a, what go a over to the Spotify playlist and have a, have a listen because uh, that's, a, that's a blinding little record, that is. Yeah, it, it is. And once again, it kind of comes back to the intro. You'd be at a toothbrush and three records in a row, you're loving them, it's your tunes, you know, yep. it might be the Happy Mondays, mm-hmm. Stone Roses, James Come Home, yep. you know, going forward a little bit. Um, and then there'd be a record that you wouldn't into, into, you know, with me, it probably would be more of like a, they might drop a Metallica or, yeah. or, or, or and that's your chance to go for a piss, get a pint yep. and kind of like get your breath back for the next round. Yeah. Um, but it was all about the intro, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't want this, this podcast to be all about the Smiths, but another significant band, you'd hear the opening calls of this chime and everyone, all the Smiths, all the guys and the Cardigans and the Chris, you would be a flood on the dance I'm, floor. I'm telling you now, Paul, in about three hours time, I'll play that record and it will still do it. With First opening bars, you see the, the ones who've been waiting for it all night. With 18 year old kids, getting super excited about wow. something that happened 30-odd years ago. It's amazing. Wow. It's still there, and it still triggers that response. And and, and uh, do you know what? It it warms my heart. When, yeah, I'm sure when, it does. When, when, when I get, you haven't had to buy any new records for 20 years. <laughs> it's as simple as that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love it when people say you've got a new record by the idols, but when I see an 18-year-old come up to me and go, uh, you got, um, stop me if you think you've heard this one before, by the Smiths, and I'm like, Yes, I have, and everything's going to be all right. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. So I can imagine that's probably what <laughs> hearing the opening bars of an Idol song now, or um, Fat White Family, yeah, yeah. Or, 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 you know, um, that's it. I've exhausted my knowledge of uh, modern alternative <laughs> you, music. You sounded like you was down with the kids, all right? <laughs> yeah, I sort of wrote some stuff down so I could reel them off. But that, that must be what it's like now when they hear the opening, yeah. opening bars of, of that. Course. It's like, this is our song. This is the song yeah. that sums up how we feel about yeah. things. And it is, you're on that dance floor, even if it's the level as one way. You know, um, vagabonds, new model army. Yeah, yep. they were just cho- everyone was unified. It was like, oh yes, come on. Yeah, and I hadn't been exposed to dance clubs really yeah. at that point. I suppose I had by eighty nine, ninety. Of course I had, but we were just flirting with it. Sure. It was, you know, I wanted to hear Dinosaur Junior. I yeah. wanted to hear Touch Me, I'm Sick by Mud Honey. Yeah. Another track that you know. Um, but then, you, you know, at that point, you'd also discovered the Happy Mondays, right? A new order. And, yeah. and so, 
Uh, you know, I, I think at, at that point as well, when you said James come home, then Andy Weverell and Oakenfold mm. all over these records. Yeah, and, and so that the, the, even from being in predominantly a guitar-based club at that point, you're being exposed to a lot of, of dance music. Absolutely, absolutely. There was everyone was being remixed. The Farm, um, the Happy Mondays. Um, that whole Manchester thing. I mean, yeah. that was really for me. Uh, for me, it, um, I can trace back my obsessions with bands. It starts what well, an artist, Gary Newman, The Jam, The Smiths, Happy Mondays. And when I, the Happy Mondays were always more important to me than the Stone Roses. I know a lot more people lean towards the Stone Roses, and the Happy Mondays did lose the plot by Yes Please. It was like No Thanks. Yeah. But um, <laughs> 24 hours. Have you wrote that down? Was that a no? No, I haven't. That was, no, that was, that was <laughs> yeah, just like me that. ad-libbing. Um, but, but yeah, I, I've probably said that a few times over the years. But even now, I can play it now and I think, do you know what? Sean Ryder is, is, a, is a poet. Yeah. But Bum, such an important album. It's one of the only albums, that and the Stone Roses, them albums were pretty much on rotation for a couple of years. Yeah. That was your going out record, your coming back record. Yeah. It was the record that you dug out of skin up on, you know. Yeah. It was that bummed album was so so important to me. Yeah. Um and there hasn't really been a band of you know the uh, our gang. I think I I got really into Mogwai. Mm-hmm. Later on, but there's never been a band that, you know, the Happy Mondays it was like they couldn't do no wrong, you yeah. know, and the Smiths couldn't before, and the Jam couldn't. The Jam yeah. didn't do anything wrong, yeah. other than split up. Yeah. Um, well, well I've, I've just realised that I've, I've, I've fast-tracked this podcast because... Um, You've missed the first record I ever bought. I did. Yeah, I did. that's fine. And, that's and fine. It was only, made a mental note. And it was only you mentioning um, what the artist that you've chosen that, that um, I just thought, hang on a minute. So... Let's retract okay. and, and to the first record you bought. Yeah, well, once again, I, I've got re- a really vivid memory of buying it. Um, it was my 10th birthday, Saver Centre, which was one of the first supermarkets in Essex at the time. Like, oh, when that dropped, mate. Yeah. I mean, I, li- I live 15 miles from there, but we ventured over to have a look. It was a big deal. It was a big <laughs> deal. It took you a good half hour to walk around there. Yeah. Um, there was fruit we hadn't seen before on the shelves, <laughs> but they also had a huge record aisle. Now, I was obsessed with Gary Newman. I don't know how many people were, but he was my first. I often think it was probably like it would have Bowie would have been in the 70s for people growing up in that time. Yeah, of course. He was a robot, man. Yeah. It was like... He was otherworldly, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And later, obviously, when it came out, he was a Tory and all that. So, yeah. he was like, oh, okay. But, yeah, he was my first... I would say he had the impact that Bowie would have had. And I was there with cars and, you know, um, I never owned any Gary Newman albums, although one of the lads across the road had a Chubay Army album, so I'd go over there and listen to it over yeah. there. But it was my 10th birthday. I'd been given £10 from a distant relative from somewhere. And my mum was due to start working in Save Centre the following week. Um, and she worked there until she retired for its many changes. But they had a record aisle in now way before CDs and stuff. And I was, once again, like I was on the, 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 the Christmas. If I've got money in my pocket, it burns a hole, especially when there's records around. And I remember going in there and I chose Gary Newman. It was an album, Telecon. Um, features I Die, You Die, We Are mm-hmm. Glass. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it now. I pulled it out um, and I had a, I, I gave it a play this, this, this afternoon. And it, it doesn't resonate like it used to, but... 
it was the first album I owned, you know, it was it was a big deal. I'd had the singles, but this was delving a bit deeper into this Gary Newman thing. And it was, it was like he was singing about this planet that he'd come from, you know. Because I remember at the time, you used to get these magazines, maybe like poster magazines. Yeah, so you got them for Greece. Uh, the movie, mm-hmm. uh, but Gary Newman had one, and you know it'd, only, it'd be quite flimsy, but it'd open up into a big poster. The posters were usually really shockingly bad photos. Yeah, but I remember getting that, and just pictures of him with wires hanging out of him, and that, and I was thinking, this is proof. This yeah. is proof, man. He's a robot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he blew my mind, and I, I he had me for a good few albums before I, I just grew out of it eventually. And 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 it's it's weird because I think. As a young kid, like, and I imagine it was what young people got when they first saw Marilyn Manson, yeah, like, or when um, young people saw the horrors when they first Keep come bringing out. Bringing it up, don't you? <laughs> Chipping away. <laughs> no, but it looked different and otherworldly and exciting, and you yeah, didn't, you, yeah. you know, you didn't get that from Terence Trent Darby, like, but. But with something like Gary, although Newman, he is very otherworldly, yes, oh, absolutely, <laughs> and a um, genius, yeah. And, uh, and 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 I think Gary Newman just, just I, I remember seeing him on Top of the Pops and just thinking, "Whoa, that's that's yeah. weird, sandy weird." And 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 I think when you're ten, eleven years old, like if something's weird, I I do think there's two sorts of people. There's the ones that just find it interesting, yep, and there's the ones that just go fucking idiot, yep, yep. And I was I was always like. Wow, what's this dude doing? Yeah. Like, this is a bit interesting. Well, it, was, it was the same when Boy George came along. Yeah, completely. You know, you had the people who kind of... I mean, it's only really in the... Well, no, actually, even at the time, things like Clock, or is it Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just some amazing, amazing songs. Um, everyone loved Boy George, but the dads were always like, yeah, I can't work that out. I can't yeah. work out if that's a bloke yeah, and, or, you know. And that's the thing, though, but it, it's hilarious to think of it now. But there was genuine, is that a man or a woman? Yeah. And that's not me exaggerating. No, that's, no, no, no. There was, gen, it was, it was in the papers, there was people like, did you see Top of the Pops? Was that a man or a yeah. woman? Yeah. But it was the 80s, wasn't it? I mean, Frank, I, I've heard you say on previous podcasts about seeing the Relax video. Yeah. I was the same. I didn't pick up on anything um, to do with gay iconography in yeah. it they were just geezers having a laugh yeah. you know it was like wow yeah, they look like a good ganger yeah. you know and I remember buying the album one of the best albums in my lifetime yeah. I should think um, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome but yeah. you know all the lads at school were into Frank Goes yeah. Hollywood I, rem- I never heard anyone go yeah they're gay that lot they, <laughs> they, 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 they didn't I remember Soft seeing sell, another great yep, example. Exactly. I remember seeing Man Parish, right, doing Mouse Stripper on top right. of the pops. And I remember thinking, oh, he looks a bit like Danny Zuko. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And do you know what? The the good thing is that's all over now as well. Yeah. So your 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 kids and our, all of our friends who have kids, they haven't got that. to deal with. Because, you know, unless they're very unfortunate, they haven't got homophobic parents. It's it's not it's on not shocking, their, is it's it? just not even in their minds at all. No. And it's it's so refreshing. And and I tell you what, it it's really my children and I, I spoke about this on, on, on a podcast with, with Josh Weller a little while ago. My my, my children like would talk about someone and and that and that person would be of colour. Yeah. And they that's they're just 
it's just one of their friends. Yeah, yeah. And 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 in an area where we live, which you know, the the there's there's a, a vile vein that runs through it yeah, of racism yeah, yeah. And, and, and ignorance. Yeah. And and it's just nice that there, there is young people that are, are coming through that just don't see it. And it's well, we, beautiful. We got snapped out of it because of the specials. Of course. The whole two-tone thing yeah. was really responsible for thinking, you know, we got given a message early and yeah. we got the message. Um, and I think we will pass it on to our children yeah. because it's like, yeah, this, you know. But yeah, it's that whole kind of... and. Now it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl or black or white or it doesn't matter. There is no, there's no borders, is yeah. there? It's like, is that song really good? Yeah, brilliant. I yeah. want to hear it again. Absolutely. Um, I don't care who it, you know, what's who's behind it. Of course. Um, if you've got a tune, I want to hear it. You know, completely. Well, whilst we're talking about um, just how horrible the areas are that we've grown up in. <laughs> um, Track six, favourite song from an artist from your hometown. Okay, right. And I mean, so there's been, no, there's, there, it could only be, couldn't this, it? It could well, only be. Well, it, but, do you know what? The most obvious choice would have been Depeche Mode, obviously. I was Dave Garn's mum's paper boy. Um, we saw him around town. We grew up being used to seeing Dave and Vince uh, and Martin Gore. Um, but I'm not going to pick Depeche Mode because it is too easy. But oh, right, you're not. No. Um, what did I put on my list? I feel you by Depeche Mode. Did I? Okay. Well, I'm not going to go for that. Okay. Only because it, it's too obvious. Yeah. It's a great um, song. Yeah. Going for Yazoo or going for Depeche Mode. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go for the horrors. Um, <laughs> Shut up. Really? <laughs> I, I still stand by the fact that that first album was shocking. Um, oh, brilliant. I I wasn't into them. I wasn't. I, I was never into the kind of gothy type stuff. Um, it was actually Primary Colours. Yeah, and it was streaming music. So I, just to, before you you elaborate on go this, on, so let, let, let to, to 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 give someone an insight into why we're laughing at this. He's, he's when we have one of our many um, arguments at work about, about music, um, team meetings. I I I bought in. It might be in the enemy or something. And it had a picture of the the, the um. The horrors on the cover when they first um, come out. I think the single was Counting Fives, I think it was. And I remember just thinking, because they were running Junk Club uh, down at the at the uh, Palace. I remember thinking, "Wow, this 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 looks exciting." And and it and it and it sounded like it sounded different. It sounded like elements of the Damned and things like that in it, like early Damned. And I could hear it, and I just thought, "Wow!" This, and, and you was like, "Nah, I'm not having it. I'm not having it." And you weren't having it. And, uh, I think you're being polite now. I think I was I was sitting there thinking, shit, what is he going to say? Because I was thinking he'll remember what I said by the, for the word, but by, by the word, whereas I won't. Um, I probably wasn't as um, generous as that. And I went, I reckon they're going to be all right. And he was like, no, 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 I'm not interested. And then I think fast forward a couple of years, and I went, uh, I, I, I we'd stopped working together at that point. I think I sort of said, like, you know, albums of the year, and you said the horrors, and I was like, oh, for yeah, fuck's sake. yeah. Yeah, well, do you know what? I kind of... I mean, it, to, to to give you credit, mate, there was a massive transition in the horrors from that first yeah, album. Yeah, there had to, to be. If they if, if they dished up what they did on the first album, I, I would have still been of the same... It just wasn't my, my thing, do yeah. you know what I mean? It wasn't at all. It was trying too hard to be saying I'd seen Done Better before. Um, but I, I checked out Primary Colours. I don't know if I heard a single, because at the time it would have got play on a radio or... But... I liked it. I liked it. It had, it had, 
it just sounded more what I was into. It had a more of a shoegazy vibe. Yeah, massive. Reverby, echoey, kind of like, oh, it's funny because I was listening to their most recent album um, this week and I listened to bits of it and it also, almost reminds me of early Human League and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I realised that, yeah, I actually do like the whole, Primary Colours was a great album. I think, they're, I think they're about to tour that album. I think they're about I to I saw do... them support Depeche Mode last year. Um, when I say I saw them, I was pissed out of my mind, queuing for a beer, and I could hear them playing right. uh, inside the stadium. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, it was a live experience. <laughs> they were playing live, and I could hear them. Um, I don't think they're a band that can play... Um, Arenas. They didn't sound great in a half-empty stadium on a yeah, summer's day. Sure. Um, Who does, though? No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, Live Aid is testament to that. Exactly. So, but... It's Skying was the album that really nailed it for me. Yeah. I just think it's uh, it's such an ambitious album and it achieves what I think it sets out to do. Yeah. It's just a classic, classic album. It falls in there for me alongside Ride Nowhere. Yep. Um, I'm not going to say My Bloody Valentine because I don't want to put them on a pedestal. Yeah. But it's a great no, album. You, you can hear Valentine's in yeah, some of their yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, without definitely, a doubt. Definitely. Without a doubt. Okay. Well... You let me off light there with a horror Yeah, that's all right, mate. That's all right. Um, so your final track, mate. So this is the um, the song. This is where this is where you get to play um, influencer and DJ. So I ask you to pick a track that you think a lot of people might not know, and uh, and and you'd like them to hear it. So it's your chance to say, "Go and give this a whirl." Well, as you all know, I picked an album. Mm -hmm. um, and jazz is another thing like the horrors, where you said to me last time you was around. I, said, I talked about jazz, and you said, you know what? If I'd have put some jazz on any office a few years ago, you'd have gone, what the fuck is this? Yep. Um, I'll tell you how I, I started, and you're, you, you never fully understand jazz, I don't believe. Mm -hmm. I think someone like Joel Peterson probably understands jazz. Yeah. Martin Freeman, Eddie Pillar, they understand jazz. Yeah. Um, I don't. But I used to do a blog, um, and one of the things I did on there was picked five albums that I wasn't – that asked about, but the world was telling me I should listen to. I yep. think one of them was Physical Graffiti, Led Zeppelin. One of them was ACDC, whatever their big album was, Back in Black. It was. Um, and I can't remember what the others were, but one of them was Miles Davis, Bitches Brew. Probably not a great entry point. I want Love Supreme, John Coltrane. I yep. picked two jazz albums. Um, and Bitches Brew, I struggle with in places, although I got, I think I got what the, the, the gist of it. But John Coltrane, Love Supreme, I just thought, how could I have not? Obviously, I was aware of the refrain, Love Supreme, yeah, being pinched by air. You should know this. Who did Will... Who did a Love Supreme, the single? Will Downing. Will Downing. So there's that refrain there that he's obviously mm -hmm. pinched from John Coltrane. But it just blew my mind. It felt, it felt like I'd heard jazz for the first time, however wanky that sounds. So I... I delved a bit deeper and with, with anything that's as expansive as jazz you're going to come across a few stinker well a few things that you don't get on with there's lots of different types of jazz there's stuff that sounds like you're in an elevator in the 70s yeah um, <laughs> not great there's stuff like ESG where you you can listen to it and think it almost feels like this is the blueprint for drum and bass mm -hmm. you can listen to stuff like Coltrane where and we'll come to the album in a minute but where he's exploring 
it's he's like the jazz Bowie. He's going on a journey, so you don't have to. And he's telling you what he's seeing. That's how I feel when I listen to Coltrane. Um, and I realised that for years I'd been coming at jazz from the wrong angle because you think, oh, I'm going to give jazz a try. And you go to the jazz section, you grab a couple of albums. And if that's an Ornette Coleman album where he's doing some freeform stuff, you're going to think all oh, jazz is this noise. Um, but I, after a few false starts, got into Coltrane. Then I saw Whiplash. And that really gave me quite an understanding of jazz that I didn't have before. It made me think more about it. The drummers. Incredible film. Incredible, credible film. Um, a film that I go back to time and time again in the same way I would an album. Mm. I love everything about that film. But it did open my eyes to, okay, there's, you know, I think with jazz, sometimes you need to see it being played to really understand what's going on. And I think I kind of understand, if it's a scale of one to 10 of my knowledge of jazz, I think I'm probably about one now. I've, I've, I've worked out artists that I like and I just need to fill up their back catalogue. There's bits of Miles Davis stuff that I like, bits that I find a bit, off-putting same with Coltrane something like Ascension don't go into John Coltrane and buy Ascension as your first album because it would just put you off for life um, I still don't fully understand that as an album but I admire his balls for doing it yep. with the album that I chose Miles Davis and John Coltrane the final tour it was as it says the final tour where they went out Coltrane played for Davis but you can hear it from the opening where Coltrane first comes on stage. This is the apprentice finally outgrowing the master. Miles Davis will always be a master of his art, but Coltrane had found who he was. And if he just burns every night, this, this album, this collection of, of recordings that make up these out, these, this box set were recorded over a series of, of, of nights on this tour. And you can just hear it. You can just hear Coltrane kind of dominating. And the audience um, are kind of responding. They're kind of like, what the fuck? You know, th this is how important jazz was. Um, the audience weren't... It was a bit like Dylan playing electric. It's yeah. that same response. Coltrane's just kind of playing this stuff that they hadn't heard before. And it was like, they were confused. But it's beautiful and davis allows him the space to do that rather than kind of think no this is my gig yeah, you're yeah, in yeah. my band fuck off davis is you can almost imagine him kind of going take take this take it take it where you're going to take it and that was the last tour they did together and i don't know if there is noses put out during that tour yeah. you know i haven't read enough about those 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 gigs but you can hear it, and it's 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 rare that you hear that in music where an artist is kind of finding their feet and actually overtaking yeah. the person they've been backing. You yeah. know, I mean, I don't know how many times that's happened in music. Um, it'd be like George Harrison out growing the Beatles and just yeah. taking the beat. You know, and you just thinking you can hear George on this album becoming bigger than the Beatles. Yeah. But it's a powerful, it's a powerful listen. Well, we'll put some some on the, the Spotify playlist. Um, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's, yeah, Stuart, it's always a pleasure to talk to you about music. <laughs> Not often. It's the first time I've done it with a microphone in my hand. Um, yeah. And so, in regards to your art, where can people, you're on Instagram, where can I'm people follow Instagram you? I'm on Instagram at the moment. Um, I do intend on um, taking that to the next level, which will be a website, a shop, um, very, very soon. I'm just, at the moment, trying to 
get some more new stuff done. I want to when I do launch, I want to do it do it in style. And what's your Instagram handle? Where can people uh, find you? It's Paul MCD nineteen seventy. Okay. Um, it is a mixture of music, me waffling about music, um, and me uploading my art. But yes, this year I will. I will go overground with it. Okay. So um, keep we'll, an eye out. We'll tag you in in, in uh, all the posts regarding this. So go and, go and give Paul a follow and go and check out his art. And, uh, and, and yeah, you're going to love it. Paul, thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Thank man. you very much. There we go. What a lovely chat. What a lovely gentleman. I knew that you were going to enjoy this and, and I hope you did if you if you're listening now then you've stuck to the end which is always lovely and I can I can tell if you are because I can look on my little stats and I can see how long you listened for so be aware I'm watching you but I've got no complaints because when I look at it you guys go from start to finish which is lovely which which makes me feel like I'm, I'm putting out some stuff that is being enjoyed and that's 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 fifty percent of it. I'm enjoying doing it. Hopefully, the guests are enjoying doing it. And if you're enjoying what the output is, then that's enough for all of us, right? We're all happy with that. Good. Please head over to Instagram and check out Paul's art. Um, he'll be tagged in uh, all the artwork um, and stuff on social media promoting this episode. So give him a follow and a like, and and let him know what you think of his art, and also. Drop him a message. Let him know what you thought of him as a guest and, and his song selections. And, and if anything that he said resonated with you, then go and have a chat with him. And uh, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to uh, to have a now. Thanks ever so much again for listening. And please like, love, share, subscribe, chat to me. Tell me what you like, what you don't like about the podcast. And yeah, because it's good to chat and I'm up for it. I'll see you next time. Have a lovely week. Bye. Oh yeah, sorry, I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wayfair's biggest sale of the year is back. Get ready for Wayday. For three days only, May 4th through May 6th, you can get up to 80% off at Wayfair. Save on sofas and cookware, dining sets and rugs and beds, wall art, bar cards, floor lamps, sailing fans, home decor, all things outdoor, and way more. Plus, everything ships free. Don't miss the sale to get up to 80% off everything home, even a garden gnome. Wayday starts May 4th. Head to Wayfair.com now to start filling your car. Wayfair, every style, every home.